The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in to another week of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. Hope you guys had a uh, nice weekend. Looks like it's going to be a wet week coming up. Uh, this is the week that high school football starts around Kentucky. So for football fans, it's uh, getting a little better with each passing week. We had some NFL preseason action, lots of it actually over the weekend. Uh, one Kentucky guy really showed up uh, especially well. So we'll get uh, into a lot of football discussion today with our guest, John Hale from the Courier-Journal and John Clay from the Lexington Herald-Leader. Let's get right to the Wildcat news of the day. And it is Will Levis being named the starting quarterback that obviously leads us off here on the show. It uh, came, the announcement came quicker than I expected. But uh, credit to Mark Stoops on that because it gives uh, Joey Gatewood the opportunity uh, to go find uh, a place where he can play, hopefully, for him. Um, He's going to enter the transfer portal. And... I always thought that they would make the decision uh, pretty soon because nobody had taken any meaningful reps with the ones other than you know Gatewood and, and Bo Allen in the spring and maybe a little bit in the bowl practice last year, and um, but you know none of those guys had uh, had had a lot of reps uh, with the, the the number ones, and I thought they would want to get. Uh, whoever their quarterback was going to be, they'd want to, uh, at least by this point, start getting that guy the majority of the reps to get him ready for the first game. And um, so it's we just know it's public now as, as opposed to maybe um, you know them moving on and, and making that decision internally but not really announcing it until uh, the week of the first game. Um, so now you know, and all the focus can be on, on Will, the Penn State transfer, Mark Stoops said it was a clear choice. He uh, Stoops cited arm strength for Levis and also just a presence that he had uh, around the team in the huddle, etc. And that's always a an important intangible. Not every quarterback has it, but if you have somebody who does, that can be uh, significant. Stoops noted that uh, Levis's first throw in the stadium in the scrimmage on Saturday was a 65-yard touchdown pass, uh, and it was a pretty one too. You can, uh, I mean, he he just effortlessly uh, sails that ball down the field. Um, the book, I guess, on Will coming out of Penn State uh, and his time there was that uh, could he uh, get the accuracy down to go with that arm strength? He could uh, throw it a mile, but uh, could he uh, consistently uh, put the ball in the right spots? And um, he did some work with a quarterback mechanics guru. We told you about that earlier in the summer, a story Bruce Feldman did in the uh, in the Athletic about this quarterback guru. And a lot of the focus of the story was on this guy's work with Will Levis. So we'll get to see him September 4th, but he is now your starting quarterback. He'll wear number seven. 
was trying to think of the last. Uh, there have been a lot of the number sevens at the quarterback spot for Kentucky. I think the last one was Drew Barker. And if you want to get really um, in, into the minutia, the last quarterback to quarterback Kentucky to a victory wearing number seven might be Billy Jack Haskins, uh, as best I could determine anyway, uh, for uh, those of you who are, go that deep into the trivia. Uh, Bo Allen is going to be the backup. And I think last year around the bowl prep time is when Joey opened up a little bit of a lead on Bo. They were very close through the season in terms of, um, you know, who, you know, being second and third straight, but it was, you know, not a lot of difference. And then in the, the bowl lead up, I remember hearing that uh, Joey had really looked good and had opened up uh, a little bit of a lead, and that seemed to continue through the spring. And that gap remained. But as uh, they've gotten into to fall camp, uh, my sense is that Bo had closed that gap and was right there with Gatewood. So now Bo Allen, uh, the second-year QB from Lexington, whose dad uh, Bill's a former Wildcat QB, uh, Bo will be the backup. And uh, Saturday's scrimmage at uh, Kroger Field, a couple of interesting notes out of there. A lot of praise from Stoops for Isaiah Cummings on the move to tight end. Stoops said he could be a difference maker. And also, um, Stoops had good news about Dekel Crowdus. It's just a knee sprain and not anything more serious. So he should be able to get back on the practice field here uh, before too long, within within weeks. So that was uh, really uh, good to hear. Kentucky picked up a recruiting commitment for football. Three-star defensive lineman Tamiwa Durojaye. And hopefully that is... Somewhere close on the correct pronunciation. Looked at uh, some videos and uh, got uh, the pronuncia- the uh, consensus on the pronunciation from those. So we'll hope that's correct. He committed over to Kentucky over schools like West Virginia, Michigan, South Carolina, Vandy, Georgia Tech. 6'4", 255-pound defensive lineman. And uh, the I mentioned a former Wildcat looking good in the preseason action over the weekend was A.J. Rose with the Vikings. Rushed for 100 yards in their loss to Denver. Also caught some passes. And uh, happy for A.J. that he is off to uh, a really good start with the Vikings. Links to the stories that we talk about each day come to you on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're heading to a break. John Hale from the CJ when we come right back. That is, this is the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Back into our show for a Monday, and a good catch by one of our listeners, Mike, who uh, pointed out Shane Boyd wore number seven at the QB spot and certainly led Kentucky to victory. So can't believe I missed uh, my buddy Shane, but um, he wore number seven. So there was haven't been a lot of them, but uh, Shane and uh, Billy Jack and now uh, and Drew Barker, now Will Levis, going to be number seven at the QB spot for the Wildcats come September 4th as we welcome in John Hale. From the Courier Journal on the DrinkSword.com hotline, uh, John, what was uh, your reaction when you got the word about this uh, call last night? Yeah, I was a little surprised at the timing. Obviously, I mean, I had kind of just had that 
uh, first Monday before the season opener circled uh, as the day they were going to announce it. That, that's the date they did it the last two times that there was a preseason competition. Uh, so I, had, I just wasn't expecting it this early, but I think it ended basically where we all thought it was going to. So, you know, what Mark said last night made a lot of sense in terms of if you knew this is where it was going to end, it was best for everybody to just go ahead and announce the decision, you know, A, so you can get Will as, as many practice reps as possible in a new offense, but also B, and this is, I think, a sign of how much of a player coach Mark is, that you let Joey Gatewood and, and whoever else might be affected by the decision know so they had their all options open to what they wanted to do. Yeah, I wonder if this is a sign of, of just a, you know one of the things that will – be part of the changing times, whether it's transfer portal, NIL, uh, etc. That's changing college sports. I saw Notre Dame recently made an announcement about its starting quarterback. I think Michigan too. So maybe coaches are going to do this earlier. And and you know, it is the fair thing to do to the guy who's competing. If you know he's not going to be your guy, let him go ahead and try to find someplace else if he wants to. Yeah, and I think that was especially true with, with Joey Gatewood because you know, let's face it, they recruited him a year ago as a transfer from Auburn. And I'm sure at the time, the idea was, you know, he would have a really good chance to come in and start whenever Terry Wilson left, and it would have two or three years to run the show. And then they went out and added, you know, kind of recruited over him, which is a hard thing to do, you know, in any situation. I think you expect that as a high school recruit, maybe, but as a transfer, it's even harder. So they, they wanted to let him know his options. But it, I think this this next month is going to be an interesting test case in general for the transfer rule stuff, because... Theoretically, you know, there's a July 1st deadline to transfer and be eligible for the immediate, you know, eligibility rule they passed. But we don't know yet how this is all going to play out. Is the NCAA going to give waivers to these players who transfer in the next couple of weeks? Are they going to fight that? Are they going to really try and say you can't have free eligibility when everybody else can? Is that going to get challenged? You know, everything's changing so much in college sports. I don't think we know for sure how this is going to play out. And, I'm fairly certain that somebody who transfers in this next couple of weeks is going to try and set, set the precedent that even though they've missed the deadline, that they can play this season. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And then if they do let those players play right away, uh, that's certainly going to change uh, how coaches have to look at you know depth chart decisions in camp moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Joey, in fairness to him, was brought here with the idea of you know. A, a, playing in a, in a diff, much different offense and maybe one that maybe he would have uh, fit fit better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a very similar quarterback to Terry Wilson. You know, obviously his running ability uh, was a strength, and that's a strength of, of Will Levis too. But uh, certainly I think that he could have fit in that mold if you wanted to still just maybe have a guy at quarterback who wasn't going to you know carry you a bunch of wins but did everything, the small things right and you were built around your power run game and, and what we've seen them be so successful at the last few years. But if, if they really wanted to go and establish this new passing attack, which was such a priority when they made the offensive system switch, uh, it's easy to see maybe why uh, John, uh, Liam Cohen wanted to bring in his own guy and, and a player that he thought really suited the system he was going to implement. Yeah, I mean, I can understand if you're Cohen, you're taking this job, you know nothing about the the two guys that are there. Um and you see a guy that you're maybe, and I guess would inf, you know maybe infatuated with be the right way to describe it when he had see he, he I think Liam has talked about you know a a comeback that Will led coming off the bench that fell short against Nebraska, but just you know the things that he saw Will do in that game kind of uh, caught his eye. 
Yeah, I think so for sure. And and you know, Will talked about this on Media Day and Liam a little bit yes uh, last week that uh, there was a pre-existing relationship there in terms of when uh, Liam was at, at Maine uh, as an offensive coordinator. He recruited. Uh, well, a little bit in high school. Uh, obviously, he ended up being a much better player than uh, was going to sign with an FCS program. But there was a, a brief bit of contact there, so he knew him. And then I think Will has just grown a lot as a player even since then. I mean, uh, the Athletic had a story this summer about the uh, kind of biomedical uh, coaching he was doing and his throwing motion. And there was that viral kind of workout video that came out in the spring with you know just that quick release and the arm strength. Uh, that Will didn't get to show off a lot at Penn State. That was, you know, what he told me on media day basically was, you know, he kind of got typecasted this running quarterback at his former school and he wanted to go somewhere, uh, that would really, you know, not showcase his ability to throw the ball. So he just didn't get like, kind of pigeonholed into that spot. And, and obviously he found a really good connection with, with Liam in terms of, uh, fit and uh, a system that he thought he could flourish in and that, you know, Liam thought, uh, Will could too. I was out of town last weekend, uh, but I was reading a lot of, uh, things on Twitter from you guys that were there covering media day and the and the open practice uh, on Friday and Saturday and uh, you know there there were it was a it was a flood of comments of uh, people being quite you know quite impressed by the uh, what was readily apparent in the strength of Will's arm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I, I also missed that open practice, but just from reading around from people, like he had a couple of really nice deep balls there. Apparently in the scrimmage this Saturday, Mark said last night, his very first throw ever in Kroger Field was a 65-yard touchdown pass to Wondell Robinson. So that has been such a part of the offense they were missing the last three or four years, and that was an emphasis. And, you know, that's what they said. Joey Gaywood was pretty good at in spring too. But, uh, you know, I, I think if Will was showing those things already, knowing that he was going to take a little bit of time to learn the offense because he wasn't here for spring practice, if he had already established kind of a, an advantage, uh, knowing all those other factors, then you got to figure that it was pretty clear what the, the decision needed to be. Talking with John Hale from Courier-Journal.com. We'll take a break and continue the discussion in just a moment. It is the Leach Report. John Hale coming to you on the DrinkSword.com hotline. Shield is their newest product. Balanced electrolytes and natural ingredients in some bold fruit flavors. Got a bottle of the Orange Shield that I'm working on here today as we do the show. It's drinksword.com where you can check it out. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Back into the Monday show, chat with John Hale from Courier-Journal.com. Um, I was saying earlier, I'll see if you agree from what you've heard or observed, that uh, I thought that uh, Bo Allen's now the backup, and I was I got the sense that whatever gap was created between Gatewood and Allen, even going back to the bowl prep last year, that Bo had been able to close that significantly. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a pretty fair read from what I understand, too. I mean, the, I can... I know for sure that the former staff, Eddie Grant and, and Darren Henshaw, were really, really impressed with where Bo was when he came in as a true freshman and just his long-term potential. But then I think you, it, he's probably one of those guys that you remember that everything with the COVID year and the normal workouts and off-season conditioning and all that that he lost, he probably didn't get a lot of the benefit of enrolling early that you might have expected. And so he, he was just a guy that with his frame and his body size and stuff, he needs some time to add some weight, add some muscle, you know, adjust to the college game. 
And I could definitely see that a full off season, which he finally got this year, he could be a guy who could make some jumps. So it, it doesn't surprise me that that's the case, but I think that's certainly uh, what I understand too. And uh, I think they feel, I get the sense, confident that you know, if, if need be, he'd be just fine stepping in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he obviously, I think, you know, he probably might be the best pure passer of the group, but he just, you know, needs some development. I think they're still high on his long-term potential, obviously. Uh, but, you know, he's he's definitely, I think, the clear number two. We know that uh, Mark's first eight years here, I think only three, they've had the same quarterback start every single game. So I bet there's a really there's really a chance that Bo's going to need to play at some point this year, and, and maybe even Nick Scalzo will have to play too. But um, it's they need to have two guys – it would have been nice if they could have had two veteran players and, and Levis and Gatewood both who had, you know, played, you know, quite a bit of college football. But even if, if Joey does ultimately transfer, which is how it appears it's going to go, uh, I think that they feel pretty good about the backup spot there. Uh, Isaiah Cummings is a guy that uh, certainly uh, seems to have caught the head coach's attention. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, they moved him to tight end right before camp, said some positive things early in camp, but, you know, the, Obviously, Justin Riggs played a ton there, and he's going to play a lot. They were really high on Brendan Bates last year, and then he got hurt on his very first career catch in those five games. So it felt like even after the Keaton Upshaw injury, those two guys would probably be the the main tight ends, and Isaiah would have some time to to be brought along. But after the scrimmage on Saturday, Mark did something that we don't see very often. He brought up Isaiah as an early standout without being asked about it. It's always interesting in these press conferences to judge the difference between when they say something positive about a player because they were asked directly about that player and when they say something positive just unprovoked at all. And that's what happened with Isaiah. And I think that's when you can really tell a guy standing out and, and what he's doing early is uh, Mark called him a potential difference maker. So I think that you know he's going to be a big part from everything we understand so far. Interesting. John, thank you much for the time. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Tom. At John Hale underscore CJ on Twitter, and it's courier-journal.com on the web for John Hale. Uh, coming up on the bottom of the hour, so we'll uh, head to the break here in just a moment and then bring in John Clay from the Lexington Herald Leader to lead off our second half of the show. Uh, we have a, we're always grateful to the sponsors that uh, help bring this show to you each day uh, in the markets all around the state. Uh, here in Lexington, uh, one of our uh, clients is uh, Fleet Duck. Just took my uh, daughter's car over there to get some work done today, and they were uh, telling me the great response that they're getting from uh, folks here in Lexington since uh, joining our team. So that was great to hear, and uh, if uh, you're looking to advertise in any of the markets we're in, just give us a shout. We'll be right back with John Clay. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. From the Clark's Papa Shop Studio, it is the second half of the Leach Report for this Monday as we welcome in John Clay from the Lexington Herald Leader and KentuckySports.com. And I was listening this morning after I saw a tweet from your colleague Josh Moore to uh, what he described as the emergency podcast that uh, you and uh, Josh and Mark Story put together on uh, the uh, emergency edition of the John Clay podcast. And I'm just wondering, are there like red phones that you guys have <laughs> in such no, times? We, have, we need those. We, yeah, we should. We should. When they light up, we know, uh, well, you know, 
with breaking news happened, so we need to <laughs> we need to do something. And that was definitely breaking news last night. I'm not sure if you had told me, uh, you know, uh, uh, when do you think Mark Stoops will name the starting quarterback? I, I would not have guessed Sunday night at six o'clock. That would not have been my guess. No, no. Um, it, you know, uh, Jeff and I got a chance to watch the scrimmage on Saturday, and we don't talk about what we we see because it's just where they get to do that to be able to help prepare for the broadcast. But uh, I, now that he's made the announcement, I can tell you, I was, we were standing there talking uh, just outside the stadium after it was over, and the guys were walking back, walking past us uh, into the. Uh, Nutter Center, or not uh, into the uh, Joe Craft Center, and uh, Mark walked up and uh, just real quickly, I said, uh, you know, uh, what do you think about the quarterbacks? And he said, you know, all, they all look good. And but he he said something uh, when he mentioned Will's name is just there was a little gleam in his eye, and I, I thought, boy, ooh, that sounds like uh, Levis is the the guy that's kind of uh, caught caught the head coach's eye. And then you know he made the announcement last night, so. Uh, to, and to his credit, as we were talking with John Hale earlier, you know, gives Joey Gatewood a chance to go uh, find a place where he can right. play, which I'm sure he is eager to do. Right. You know, I, I think it's a good move, really, on three fronts. I mean, if you know he's your guy, if you know Levis is your guy. And, you know, we were kind of tipped off the other day by Vince Merrow, who was uh, in his media session earlier last week, was bragging on uh, Levis to the point where Mark told us on Saturday that Vince was now on lock, a lockdown. We were not allowed to talk to Vince anymore because <laughs> he was because they were trying to say you know all the quarterbacks were even. Uh, but I think it's a good move on three fronts. Uh, one, uh, most importantly for Levis, it gets him a chance. He, you know, if you had a brand new starting quarterback and a brand new offense, what does he need the most? He needs reps, and so instead of splitting the reps between three quarterbacks, he he'll get the majority of the reps. He can build chemistry. You know, with the receivers, he can learn the, uh, it'll help him learn the offense. Uh, Mark talked with us last night about the operation of the offense, you know, getting guys in the right place, uh, knowing the plays inside and out, uh, not getting pre-snap penalties because guys aren't lined up correctly. They can work on that. It gives Joey Gatewood a chance to transfer if that's what Joey wants to do, which apparently he wants to do. He's entering the transfer portal. Uh, so yeah, I think Mark made a good move on that on behalf of Joey. And then I think it's a good move for Bo Allen. Bo's now the clear number two. He'll get the majority of the, he'll get the number two snaps instead of, instead of splitting those with Joey. He can, he can also learn the offense, be on the ready to come in if something should happen to Will, uh, God forbid. Uh, but I think he'll be in a good position that when he gets his chance, he'll know the offense better and will be better suited to maybe step in and produce. So I think it's, it's a good move on all three fronts. As Araldus Chapman showed us, Having the the fastest fastball doesn't always make you the best pitcher, um, but if you can be a good pitcher and have that uh, you know cannon for an arm, uh, it uh, it's a great thing, and it's in that kind of you know arm strength, be it a, with a pitcher or with a quarterback, you know captivates fans uh, and and maybe teammates too. I don't know, but it's uh, certainly Will Levis. Uh, I think everybody. Uh, that saw him at uh, the open practice uh, came away uh, very captivated by the strength of his arm. Yeah, you know, NFL scouts talk a lot about traits. Do players have certain traits that they are looking for? You know, size, arm strength, uh, that sort of thing, physical ability. And obviously, as you said, it was obvious in that open practice that Levis had the upper hand on that. He's got, he has a very strong arm. 
uh, on that podcast, Mark, uh, you referenced Mark Story referred to as a howitzer for an arm. Uh, and I think, you know, he's a little raw in some areas. There's no doubt about that. Uh, as you say, just because you got the strongest arm doesn't always make you the best quarterback. He, the knock on him at Penn State was he wasn't uh, as accurate as he needed to be. He didn't quite have the touch on some throws that he needed to have. But I'm sure Liam Cohen feels like he can work with him on that. The fact that he's already named him the starter, he can really kind of bear down with him over the next three weeks to work on that. I know uh, Will has done a lot of work over the offseason with a quarterback specialist on his mechanics. Uh, so I, I think he knows he needs to improve in that area. And uh, But it goes back to the physical ability. And I'm sure a lot of coaches sometimes say, give me a kid with physical ability. I'll coach him up. I'll refine his skills. I'll work on his mechanics. But uh, it's a really good starting point if you've got the kid who has the ability to play. And I think Will has that. And we talk, we're talking a lot about the strength of his arm, but Stoops also uh, referenced just a, a presence that uh, Levis had, which y- if you can find that in a, in a quarterback, and quarterbacks in ev- have, have to be somewhat of a leader, whether they're comfortable in that role or not. But if they naturally have that kind of uh, swagger to them uh, and can you know, back it up with their performance, that uh, those guys are usually fun to watch. Right, and you know that was another thing where uh, after media day, Josh Moore uh, and I were talking after as we were leaving media day, and that was our first time to really you know talk to Will and you know meet him up close or as close as we can under the COVID restrictions. And we both said the same thing: he's got a not not a cockiness about him, but he did he did uh, present a confidence about him that he feels like. In fact, he told me you know he feels like he is ready to be a starting quarterback at a power five school and you need that you need somebody you need a, you want your quarterback to be confident you don't want him to be tentative uh, you don't want him to be doubting his abilities you don't want that to go into an arrogance that's uh, where he's overconfident and I don't I didn't get that sense from Le, from Levis either but I do you know Mark mentioned last night about his presence and I, I think you could we I could certainly sense that on uh, on media day so yeah your quarterback does need to be the leader of the team he is kind of the face of the program and, and i think we'll what little we've seen of him so far it seems like he has the uh, characteristics to be able to do that talking with john clay from the herald leader kentucky sports.com we'll uh, continue right after this time out on twitter it's at john clay iv it's the leach report john clay coming to you on the drinkstore.com hotline we'll be right back you're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. We're talking with John Clay from the Lexington Herald Leader and KentuckySports.com. Uh, Shannon, I should have mentioned this to you during the break, but we've got the soundbite I put in the, uh, the Dropbox. Uh, so let's pull that up. It's with uh, Will Levis. And uh, this was from an appearance with uh, Curtis Birch on the Behind Kentucky Football podcast, uh, talking about coming here to Kentucky and where he hopes it can lead for him. I think that if I'm able to succeed in a conference like this, then it um, only helps my case to um, be able to play at the next level. And I'm just a competitive person. I want to I want to play the best teams. I want to beat the best teams, and I want to play for the best teams. So. Um, being able to play for Kentucky, who obviously has had really solid seasons the past few years, three bowl games in a row, with the addition of Coach Cohen. I think that on top of just playing in a big conference, in a good conference, playing for a good team, it was just the connections that I made with the coaching staff through the recruiting process. So instantly hit it off with Coach Cohen, um, Coach Stoops, and just being able to talk to all of them and their philosophy and what they believe in and um, what they're 
bringing in with the offense and just what they approach, how they approach the program as a whole. And I, I, I bought it and I really believed in them and uh, they believed in me. So it just kind of went from there. Uh, that was uh, Will Levis talking on the Behind Kentucky Football podcast. And John, you, you, uh, that was interesting. You, you kind of, you and Josh picked up on a, a little bit of a, a presence that, that he had just from talking to him. And, um, you know, Jared Lorenzen certainly, uh, had, had some of that swagger and that arm strength when, uh, he was with the Kentucky football program and had that ability to make his teammates feel like they were better, better when he was out there with them. Yeah, definitely from an arm strength standpoint. That's another thing we talked about on our uh, so-called emergency <laughs> podcast last night. I, I can remember back when uh, covering UK uh, football on the, as the beat writer, and back then practices were open, and uh, you could go to practice. Uh, the, the year that Jared uh, redshirted, he was the scout team quarterback, and it was a show just watching the scout team because he was just firing the ball, and it was going off helmets and shoulder pads and defensive backs. <laughs> wow, this guy, what an arm. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think another thing about Levis that helps him is that, you know, he, he was in at, he was at Penn State. He was in another Power 5 program. Obviously, Penn State, you know, a lot of success over the years, a rabid fan base, a lot of expectations there. It's not like he's moving up from a mid-major school or from an FCS school. Nothing against, you know, there's some really good players there who, who uh, transferred up and will play really well. But I don't think anything about coming into another Power Five program like Kentucky and SEC school. You know, I think he was fairly prepared, you know, for what that's like and what the expectations were. So I think that that helps him as well. And uh, you know, he'll he'll uh, need that background because there's nothing to to rev up the uh, engines of of hype and fan expectations like a new quarterback. So you yes. haven't seen anything bad about him in playing for your team. Uh, he's got a strong arm, and uh, then you have uh, seemingly a lot of uh, exciting uh, potential weapons around him. So you know the, he'll uh, he'll be expected to hit the ground running. I think you know throwing those bombs that uh, Stoops referenced that he threw on Saturday with regularity. <laughs> right, and but you know we need to temper some of that because it oh, is yeah. a new offense. It is a new quarterback. You know, you've got guys who were not in that. You've got a lot of players on this team who weren't exactly recruited to play in this offense. Although, I and I asked Mark about this on Saturday. I can remember, and I'm think, sure you can too, when Hal Mummy came here after Elliot Uzlak, where it was a very run-based uh, offense. And you think when Mummy came in, it was like, well, who, and Tim Couch was the quarterback, who's he going to throw to? Do they have any receivers? Because it's all been so run-oriented. And then it turned out he had a lot of guys to throw to who were on the roster. Craig East, Kevin Coleman, there were some guys, Quentin McCord, there were some guys there he could throw to. And there, I'm sure there's some guys on this roster who maybe were not recruited for this type of offense, but, but who do have the skill set to fit in well in this offense. But, it, you know, I think another great thing is that they have that first game against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, especially with a new offense and a new quarterback where they can kind of a feeling out process before they hit the Missouri game, which is going to be such a big game in that second week. So I think the schedule lines up well for that as uh, uh, well for that scenario. But uh, I do think there'll be some growing pains early on. I mean, there has to be with a new offense. Uh, let's talk about uh, a different topic, something you wrote about recently in the Herald Leader and looking at the Kentucky football coaches over time and, and ranking them. And obviously Bear Bryant has to be at the top for what he accomplished here. You put Blanton Collier second, Fran Kersey third, and um, uh, making the case that uh, those 
three were uh, not difficult calls, but then it became a little more challenging as terms of who got the fourth spot because it was three guys who had to uh, who walked into a difficult situation and successfully turned it around being jerry claiborne rich brooks and mark stoops um talk to us about uh what you know your your thought process on uh where you landed with that and then what kind of reaction you've gotten back from readers and fans well you know i think uh yeah, really, I focused on Stoops and Brooks because they're two, you know, the more recent coaches. Uh, I said they're almost kind of contemporaries, although Rich is older. But yeah, I mean, they both took over, you know, situation. I think Rich took over a situation which was uh, obviously bad from the standpoint that you know that the scholarship reductions from the probation that occurred under the recruiting violations under you know under Mummy. So he had to kind of build it from ground up, and then Mark took over a program that was. Uh, went two and ten in Jokers last year. It needed to be rebuilt again. You know, talking about the reaction, somebody um, uh, uh, I, I did receive a reaction from someone who made I think a very good point. We might not have Mark Stoops if it wasn't for Rich Brooks. I think Rich Brooks, the job that he did, the foundation that he laid, the consistency for the program. I think he definitely moved it up a notch and put it in a position where somebody like Mark Stoops was interested. You know, in coming to a Kentucky, and I think Mark is kind of built on what Rich did. I think Mark has had some advantages that maybe Rich didn't have with facilities. I think uh, you have to give Mark credit for be able to go out and raise the money to get the Joe Craft uh, Football Training Center and, and start the uh, renovation of Commonwealth Stadium. I think he's also been. They've all, every school has benefited from the SEC network, which started in 2014. That obviously filled the coffers even more and gave Mitch Barnhart the opportunity to do some things that he's always wanted to do. Uh, so I think Marcus kind of, I, I said I would kind of give no disrespect at all to Rich. I would kind of give the uh, edge to uh, Mark right now, what he's accomplished. Uh, but as I said at the end of the column, Mark's story is not completely uh, written. Uh, Mark Stoops' time at Kentucky obviously is not done. So uh, We'll see what happens uh, from here from here on, but I think he's he's built on a lot of the success that Rich had. Uh, I think a lot of Mark's success goes back to what Rich did when he was here. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And the conventional wisdom was always the Kentucky coach just gets to a bowl game every year. You know, he's uh, he's done done great work. And I think my sense of it, I'll see if you agree, is that Rich changed that once they you know got into. Do, going to bowl games regularly, and then they had wins like uh, you know beating number one LSU and um, the, the uh, big uh, when game day came to town, and they went down and won at Georgia, and all, some of those things happened. I think, and this has you know impacted uh, Stoops now. Is I think the the expectations bar is uh, is set higher for Kentucky fans, and uh, that uh, it makes it makes his challenge more difficult. But it's probably. Uh, needed to happen for the program what do you think yeah oh yeah i agree with that i agree with that 100 percent. and uh you know the thing about rich and <laughs> i'm sure rich would be the first to point this out i didn't think he was a good hire i thought he had been out of the game too long he didn't have any roots in the south uh you know but he obviously proved me wrong uh very much so and the one thing i have about rich and i know you know rich well you wrote the book about rich is that rich is one of those coaches who i think he could coach any position on the field if you named him your secondary coach your wide receivers coach your offensive line coach he could coach it and i think in a way a lot of ways i thought he was like jerry claiborne i always thought claiborne could do the same thing so you know, I think Rich uh, Rich's role in how what he did with this program 
and their success, he has raised the expectations, and I think Rich would tell you that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to raise the expectations. So, no, I think you're right. I think you're exactly right about that. And uh, it's kind of neat. He and uh, uh, Stoops have uh, formed a, a pretty strong bond, I think, uh, as well. John, thank you, as always, for the time. You can read that column and others from uh, John Clay as we head up to the start of the football season at KentuckySports.com and in the Lexington Herald Leader. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And, of course, the John Clay podcast, uh, the regular versions and the emergency versions. Uh, watch that wherever fine podcasts are found. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Just one Wildcat birthday to pass along today. James Young from the 2014 National Runner-Up team celebrating a birthday today. Uh, while we're talking about uh, former cats and... Um, Here's a trade note, if you missed it. Eric Bledsoe moving to the L.A. Clippers. And that the group of players going to Memphis as part of this deal includes Rajon Rondo. So I would think a great opportunity for Bledsoe certainly gets uh, to a situation where he's with a much better team. Individual tickets went on sale about an hour ago for the Keeneland Fall Meet. They are planning for full capacity for the first time since, I guess, the, the fall of 2019. And they are available now at Keeneland.com. So you can go to the website and look for uh, opportunity to get grandstand seats and other uh, premier hospitality packages, too. And it's a, a tremendous meet that is coming up in October. So exciting time of year with football season, just uh, less than three weeks away now. And then the uh, Keeneland meet about a month after that will get started. Uh, that's going to do it for our show today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Chris Dortch will join us from the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, and we'll get his take on a lot of uh, newsworthy events that have happened in college basketball, or Kentucky in particular, over the course of the summer. And then, of course, uh, Larry Vaught. So make sure you tune us in tomorrow here on the Leach Report. Have yourself a fantastic day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a